Have you ever wondered what a career lifestyle can do for you? Maybe you're in a crazy hectic job and you strive for more, but you don't know if you can actually do it. Do you need to stop the pace? Do you need to accelerate? How do you even sleep? Well, today we're going to be talking to the CEO and founder of JW Method, and hopefully she'll be able to tell us a little bit more. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Welcome back, guys, to Pretty Sure Podcast. We are in season three, and this season is super exciting. We're going to be talking about different topics, still covering all the stories that you love, interviewing way more cool and amazing people, and also focusing a little bit more on more sentimental and feelings aspect, because I have gotten a couple of messages from you guys that you don't think I share enough. So let's go. Today, we have an actually a very special guest. We met through Instagram and power of Instagram, right guys? I basically reposted one of her posts because I found it through another person's story and I was like, oh my God, I love this girl. Like I need to follow her. And then I stalked because obviously who doesn't stalk? I stalked to like mid profile and I was like, okay, I need to have Jackie on Jack. Like they call her. I need to have Jack on my podcast. She has an insane story. Let's go. So I messaged her and here we are. So Jacqueline, better known in the online spaces, Jack is the founder of JW Method and she's going to be telling us all about her story and we're going to deep dive into those topics. So welcome Jacqueline. And I would love it if you could kick us off with your story. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I know we just instantly connected on Instagram and hit it off. I absolutely adore that. So yes, my name is Jacqueline Relke. Um, Everyone calls me Jack, so please feel free to do so. And I'm the founder and CEO of the JW Method and JW Consulting Inc. So I have a very interesting story and I love how you kicked off this podcast episode asking all those questions because they totally relate to me and everything I've been through in my career. So I started my career very unconventionally. I started working in capital markets on the trading floor before I even graduated out of university. So I was determined to work on the trading floor and structure product sales. Don't ask me why I got this in my mind, but I was like, nope, I need to do it. So of course, I found a way to do it. And basically, I had to tell my professors, like, see you later. I'm going. I got a job, basically. I'll see you at final exams for my 51% so I can pass my course and get my diploma. Uh, And they were like, yeah, good for you. Go for it. So I was thrown into this trading floor environment. And for those of you who are not familiar with the trading floor, like, think of Wolf of Wall Street on steroids. Um, And it's a very male-dominated industry. Like, for every one female, there's probably 50 men. So it is very, like, masculine, male-dominated. So I was thrown into this position. I was given a third of Canada to cover at 21 and a very small amount of $300 million of sales to get after. So my first week on the job, I was literally put on a plane, was flown out to Calgary, and they were like, go do your thing, go sell. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't even know what I'm selling. I'm 21 years old. I'm flying out to Calgary. Like, what the heck is happening? Anyways, long story short, ended up being super successful. I ended up managing over $500 million by the time I was done on the trading floor, literally traveling three weeks of the month, two and a half, my boyfriend will say I'm lying. So let's say two and a half, three weeks of the month. I was gone so much, his dad actually started calling me PTA, planes, trains, and automobiles, because I was literally always on one. 
and I was living out of a suitcase. So I was living out of Fairmonts, like I was going to Ottawa and they were upgrading me into like presidential suites and I was flying out to Calgary and like going to the Rockies and Lake Louise and like literally living the like living the dream. It was such a great experience. But I dealt with a lot of typical things that other ambitious women deal with. So burnout, mental exhaustion, weight fluctuations, how do you balance your feminine in a male dominated industry, like a lot of things that as a young 21 to 22 year old, when you're still trying to find yourself and go through these things and learning how to, you know, have a backbone and build a name for yourself, while making sure you're staying true to your morals and values was something that I struggled with. I didn't really champion my voice to use or champion my voice to find my success or excel my success. And I was really, as much as I had a backbone, I struggled at setting boundaries. So naturally, the universe threw a curveball my way. And I had an offer to go switch into industry into a private corporation and go run Another $100 million of sales there. So I said, sure, I never say no to growth opportunities. I switched industries, switched to a private corporation, and basically was promoted to director of sales, running a global sales team by the age of 23. So tack on another $100 million. What are we? We're at $700 million right now by 23 years old that I manage. So definitely used to managing some pretty large books of businesses. But again, within this company, the universe was teaching me the same lesson in a different environment. Same burnout, same exhaustion, same toxic bosses, toxic environment, um, a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm just not even going to dive into. And I remember we were in Burgundy, my boyfriend and I, and I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm done. I'm walking away from this. I don't know what's next, but I know that I don't want to be in this environment anymore. And literally, we're in Burgundy drinking some of the most expensive wine in the world. And I was like, no, this is it. I'm flying home and I'm quitting. And I remember vividly, and I shared this in a post this week, I remember vividly sitting in our condo in Toronto. We lived on the 44th floor, literally in the Shangri-La, if you're familiar with it. It's a beautiful five-star hotel, and we lived in the residences. So like, literally, it was like my ivory tower, I called it. I remember sitting there just thinking, you know what? I didn't go through all this shit to not help women who are going through the same. So it was at that exact moment that I was like, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm not going back into finance. I'm not going back into someone else's ideal of success. I'm going to rewrite my story. I'm going to redefine my own success. And then I launched the JW method. I have never looked back. This is going to be a half a million dollar business this year. I'm going to hit seven figures by 27. And honestly, I just am so grateful for all the ups and downs and the learnings that I had during my career because it led me to exactly where I need to be today, which is helping women unapologetically shatter the glass ceiling. I have so many questions. So first of all, what did you actually study? Like, Take us back to that. Yeah, so I went to school for business. So I have a bachelor's of business administration. I have a specialization in finance. I have all the finance courses and degrees and certifications that you need to work on a trading floor. So options, derivatives, like all that fun stuff that probably... Most people don't even know what those are. And I actually have a subspecialization in environmental studies, funny enough. So when I was in university, I took a ton of environmental studies courses because I just, I loved them. And by the end of my university career, I had enough to minor. So I was like, yeah, why, why not? So yeah, okay. in finance, subspecialization in environmental studies. And what was it that attracted you about finance? Because I mean, obviously business and finance go together, but it's not like you studied economics or something where like that's your major focus. So what actually drove you to say, I want to do my career here on like trading finance and all of that? Yeah. So for me, I'm a very structured type A individual. So for me, finance, I love because it's literally numbers, you can derive to a solution, like it's very linear in terms of its thinking. Also, the reason why I was attracted to the trading floor was I was obsessed with the environment. Like you are literally in a room of 400 people, the energy is insane. Like when you walk into the trading floor, they have these revolving basically like bulletproof doors that you have to go through. And then each of the aisles are basically these long runways. And literally you walk these runways like they are literally that. And just the energy on the floor just makes you feel like you are alive and on fire. So for me, it was like seeing that energy, feeling that energy 
I knew that I needed to be a part of that in some way, shape, or form. And still to this day, I know in my heart, I'm going to be back on the trading floor at some point in my career because it is just like, it is literally the perfect fast paced environment that I would just love to continue to be in, in some capacity. Wow. So did you have an experience before? Did you have someone in that world that kind of like showed you how it was or was it based on the movies or how did you know all this? Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Like I I knew quite a few people in industry, like my boyfriend, he was a portfolio manager for six years. His dad's been in finance for over 30 years. But for me, like I was just always super interested in like stocks and investing. So like I was the type of little girl, like I kid you not, when I was 14 years old, I literally was like to my dad, we need to go to the bank, dad, and get a savings account for my babysitting money. Like I'm literally not kidding. So I've been saving my money since I was 14. And I mean, obviously my dad was pretty big influence in my life from that aspect. But I was just very always interested in like, oh, so you're telling me that like, I can put my money in something that's going to grow without me having to do anything. And like, I could make millions by sitting there, like, sign me up, tell me no more. So yeah, it was definitely that. And then the first time I ever was brought into the trading floor environment, you know, when you just go to a place and you're like, yes, I'm meant to be here. This feels like home. It was mm-hmm. literally that feeling when I stepped into all my interviews to go on the trading floor. Wow. How did you actually land the job? Because I can imagine people require specific things like before you start, like what is it that you need to do before you want to go into trading and how did you actually land the job? Great question. So I actually got rejected first. So I actually interviewed for their summer student rotational program when I was in third year. I made it to final round interviews, but like I was terrified of interviewing at this point in my life. Like I wasn't as confident as I am today or even when I started or interviewed for round two. Um, So I actually was rejected the first time I tried to get into the trading floor for the rotational program. But I'm a very persistent individual, if you can't tell. So I decided, I was like, you know what? I like equities. I like derivatives. I like structured products. So I want to be in structured product sales. So what did I do? I literally was on the train to Toronto to go for a coffee with whoever would meet me for a coffee underneath the trading floor in Brookfield Place in Toronto on Bay Street and literally networked my way to the job. So it literally worked out that I was, I probably spent a whole semester every Friday going to Toronto to meet with people just to like get my name out there and like learn about opportunities. And literally, I always say your network is your net worth. And I kid you not, when the job opportunity came above because I was putting in that effort, I built the relationship. They said, hey, we think you're a great fit. Send us your resume. We'll pull your resume out of the recruitment pile and we'll give you an interview. So I had to go in, interview, And I got the job, but network is your net worth. And if it was not for me networking and my boyfriend networking, again, we wouldn't have had the contacts and made that the reality that it was. Wow, that sounds like an amazing thing. And it's definitely true, right? Like you are the company that you keep. So speaking about that, like, what is it exactly that you did to find these people? Like what, how would one go about, like, let's say someone's looking for a corporate job or someone's looking just to make contacts in whatever industry they're at? Yeah, totally. So I always say networking and networking's relationship building and relationship building is based off of an authentic connection. So a lot of people go into these relationships expecting something. And again, energy doesn't lie. People can feel when you're trying to angle your way for a job or for whatever it is versus if you're just trying to get to know, you know, how they got to where they were, how they've been so successful in their career, and genuinely just authentically connecting and learning about them. So my biggest piece of advice is one, ask the question. I have only been turned down or said no to by two people out of the thousands that I've networked with. So one is ask the question. A lot of people think that just because they're a managing director or a CEO or an SVP, they're not going to take the time. That's false. If you are angling for something and they can sense that, they might not give you the time. But if you just authentically say like, hey, Robert, I you know came across your profile or so-and-so connected me to you. I absolutely am in awe about your career and where you are today. Like I would love, here's the key, five minutes of your time 
to learn more about how you got to where you were today. So the biggest thing is like authentically connect, actually genuinely care and focus on relationship building first, but to always put a time to like how long you're planning on meeting with them. Like if someone just sends me a message and is like, Hey, can you chat? I'm like, okay, but for how long? Like, am I committing to an hour? Am I committing to 10 minutes? So definitely always define the parameters of the conversation because that literally puts in their mind, they know that they only have you for X amount of time, which increases your conversion of conversation. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's funny that you're saying that because I literally was just thinking about that yesterday. So I randomly interviewed a really famous blogger back in the day last year. And when people ask me now, they're like, how did you mess? How did you like get her to agree with you? Cause I have like, I think 600 followers to this day on Instagram. And I was like, I just message her. And everyone's like, what do you mean you just message her? And I'm like, she's a person. Like, these are people, right? Like, like you said, CEO, managing director, whoever it is, these are people. And if you go at it from like the human side of, Hey, I want to connect. I want to chat. You have a fascinating story. People are usually going to say, you know, I want to talk to you because they like talking about themselves. Right. Totally. And again, like it's the same thing for sales. Like the amount of people who come to me like, Oh, I suck at sales. Sales are so icky. Like I'm just not confident when it comes to sales. I'm like, okay, well, Every conversation you're going into, are you going in with an ulterior motive to get them as a client? If the answer is yes, of course that's going to feel icky because you're not genuinely caring and learning about who they are and their story. And more importantly, if you are a good fit to help them, like I always say, like I am not the coach or the consultant for everyone, but I know that when I talk to an individual and I get to know their story and I can understand their pain and what they're struggling with, and if I am a good fit, you will both know, like you will know that that fits there. And it's the same thing with relationship building. You know, again, energy, I say this before, I've said it again, energy doesn't lie. And you know, when there's an ulterior motive behind it. So I think it's the same thing even with sales. Yeah, a hundred percent. You said a bunch of things that I really loved. Specifically one phrase I remember that you said right at the beginning was, even though, you know, you have a backbone, you were never asked confident. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. What do you mean by you were never asked confident? Because seeming like hearing everything you're saying of like, yeah, I just messaged people and I would meet up with them. Like to me, that sounds like a confident person. Were you kind of like faking it till you made it or tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I've always been very confident in my capabilities and who I am as a person in terms of how I feel like I always say like I'm a very confident person where I lacked confidence when I first started my career was I am a people pleaser so I don't know if you've ever done um, the assessment called the saboteurs assessment but I highly recommend you do it I'll send you the link Sabrina and it basically shows you yeah it shows you like what your biggest self-sabotaging behaviors are my number one is people pleaser and overachiever So you have to think, I'm 21 years old working on the trading floor, wanting to make a name for myself, work my butt off, and prove my worth on the trading floor. So if I'm a people pleaser and an overachiever, do you think I said yes to literally everything? Like my bosses literally said to me, they're like, Jacqueline, you have never said no to one single thing in our two years of working together. Like literally, and it it did build the name that I was looking for, but again, I didn't have that backbone to be like, No, like my plate is full. I could not take that on. I, again, I served others to prove myself at the expense of my own mental health and burnout. And I thought that that's what you just had to do when you were young and you were trying to make a name for yourself in finance. Um, Another thing too is like, even when you think backbone and like lack of confidence, like again, finance is a very male dominated industry. I was in sales. So I was whining and dining and going to to hockey games and basketball games and everything with clients, right? To have the backbone to be able to walk away from those scenarios before it starts getting messy or leave those mixers before people start talking shit about their bosses. Like you need to be able to have the backbone to walk away from those scenarios. So that's one that I thankfully learned very quickly And exercising boundaries, I was very fortunate. I was able to start implementing that relatively early on in my career because, again, the people who are in corporate and they are getting bombed at mixers or humiliating themselves in front of clients, like, 
it creates a name for yourself that you don't want. So it definitely was interesting for me to, again, have ex you know exposure to these experiences and learn different, I call them different vertebrae of my backbone that I needed to build that I had no experience building before. That literally sounds like the biggest lesson I think you could have ever learned. And it's important that you say that because I think whatever industry you're at, if you want to get to like the high stakes, that's all you do, right? Obviously it's exaggerated and it's like to a higher extent in finances, but in whatever industry that you're at, that happens all the time. Like you have to schmooze the clients, you have to schmooze the brands, you have to go out, you have to do this. And it definitely comes to a point where, like you said, you have to either learn it really quickly or it starts affecting you. So I think you touched on a really important point. Now I want to know, so how is it that you actually, on the other flip, on the flip side, how did you become so confident in all of your abilities in yourself? Like, was it just something innate that you have or is it that you worked on your mindset when you were a kid? Like, how did that actually happen for you? Yeah, so it's so funny because my parents always always used to say, like, Jacqueline, like, you were just such a confident little girl. Like, I would, like, tell my parents off and be like, no, I don't want to do that today. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like, where's this coming from? Like, who taught her this? But I do believe, like, I used to be a childhood model. I actually was in a documentary when I was younger. So I played Caroline Kennedy in a documentary series for Jackie Kennedy Onassis. So I actually spent, like, a year, my whole JK year, like, my first year in school, I was actually on set filming as, like, little Caroline Kennedy. So in a very early age, I was actually put onto a set and I had people doing my hair and I had to be this person. So I do believe that like when I look back, I'm like, where did this confidence come from? Like, I think it was just like, again, I, I was put in this, these situations when I was extremely young, where I was in front of cameras and videos and production crews. And I was just told to like, be confident, be cute, be fun. And like, that's just what I learned. So I definitely like if when I think of my childhood, that's one moment that's one moment that's, you know, is very vivid in my mind. But also like growing up, like I'm very fortunate. I mean, my parents literally supported me in everything that I did. Like nothing was ever framed in a negative lens. Everything was so supportive, like go after it, like no questions asked. So I think having that support system and I had two older sisters to kind of like learn after. Right. So like, Oh, when you do that, you get yelled at by mom and dad. So like, I'm not going to do that. Having like, again, my parents who just gave me so much unconditional love and support and just never made me feel like I wasn't enough or I had to pretend to be someone or, you know, that I needed to, you know, prove myself or be someone different. I definitely think that has been such a huge contributor to my confidence. Oh my God. I did not know that. I love that. So it's definitely like a pattern of you doing things when you're younger. How does that feel for you? Like how does the whole fact of being able to say, you know, I was a child star when I was younger and then I made, like I was working for like handling these portfolios of like 300, 400, $700 million before even turning 25. Yeah, so it's interesting because, again, it's a connection that I only really drew recently between the two because, again, why would you think that the movie that I was in when I was three years old would contribute to my confidence, right? But again, it is it is that, that muscle that you have to exercise consistently. Like, people always ask me, like, how do you keep your confidence high? And I say... Confidence and self-worth is something that you have to work on every single day. So you need to make sure that you're doing things on a daily basis that contribute and boost your confidence instead of things that drain you of your confidence, right? So I definitely think for sure like that has been a huge, um, a huge, you know, contributor to my success. But also like I was bullied a lot when I was growing up, which is very interesting because it's that that contradicts the whole childhood confidence aspect, right? Like I like I got bullied for having big boobs when I was in grade eight. Like I had very dark, coarse hair and I had thick eyebrows. So people would make fun of my thick eyebrows and God forbid I had one little hair in between. Like I was bullied a lot in elementary school and in high school. And I do believe that that almost kind of like took some of the confidence off, but building myself back up from that. I think that is the biggest contributor, even more than the childhood movie and photo shoots, because I was knocked down. And I realized that the only person who can build myself back up is myself. And I was responsible for not letting others people's 
own wounds or judgments dictate my self-worth and my confidence. So I always say like, I'm very open that I was bullied a lot when I was younger. Like I remember vividly, like there was one time when I was in grade, literally grade five, and I can still picture it in my mind. And my mom, I was bawling in my room because everyone was at a friend's house up the street and they didn't invite me. And I was, God, I'm grade five. So how old am I? Like 10, maybe nine, like so young. And I remember this, I even remember the tank top that I was wearing. And my mom, like, love her to death. I vividly remember her running. Like, they were walking on the street, and she literally walked out of the house and was like, I'm not going to say anything. All I'm going to say is, is what you guys, like, is what you guys think you're doing right now the right thing to do? And they were all like, what? And I remember sitting there being, like, mortified. But at the same time, I was like, thank you, mom. Like, she made me realize that, you know what? Like, them not inviting me wasn't a reflection of me. It was a reflection on them. And if they didn't realize that they weren't doing anything wrong, then quite frankly, that is not on me. So it's so interesting because the things you remember from when you're a child, they, they impact you and they shape you so much. And that's why I think it's so important to make sure that you cleanse yourself from your childhood and understand that it doesn't define you. It truly doesn't. I feel like we lived parallel lives minus like the whole finance, living, and child star. But other than that, I swear I feel like we lived parallel lives at some point somehow. That's why we connect so well. We're like, we're soul sisters. Literally, I can totally relate to that. And just like you said, like I had never made the connection until like a couple of weeks ago where I was talking to a friend of mine. She's like a hypnosis NLP coach. And she was like, okay, I'm going to do a therapy on you because I've never done this and I want you to be my guinea pig. And I'm like, sure, try all of your strategies out. And so she did. And what came up, I had totally like completely blocked out of my mind was like a bullying scenario when I was younger. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I didn't even know this was bothering me, you know? So what is it that you do on a daily basis for you? to build up that confidence or how did you build that confidence through time? Totally. So again, confidence is a muscle that you have to exercise every day. So what I always recommend, and this is something that I did was I did an environmental, personal, and like whole life analysis. I did an audit. It basically was like, what are all the areas or people or conversation or things in my life that are in there that I'm keeping because I feel like I have to? but don't make me feel good in my skin or don't make me feel confident or powerful. And I tell you, when I actually put a pen to paper and saw that list, I was like, I am living a life for someone else. I'm doing all of these things because society or I was grown up being told that's what you have to do. And I looked at that list and I was like, oh my goodness. Why am I doing all this? Why am I wasting my energy on these conversations or these things or all these situations that just make me feel like garbage? And honestly, I did this exercise when I quit that job from that private corporation when I was director of sales because I was like, oh my goodness, why am I putting myself in this environment that's literally draining me of my power and my confidence? So I always say you need to start there because the stuff that you will bring up or the stuff that will come out, you will be so surprised and so absolutely shocked. Also, I always say like, I have confidence markers. So what are confidence markers? Confidence markers are things that I do on a daily or weekly basis that make me feel powerful, sexy, confident, just like so on fire. So what are those things? And they look different for every person. For me, that is drinking four liters of water a day. So my skin is hydrated. It's moving my body four to five days a week, trying to get outside for a walk at least once a day. It is making sure I'm writing my to-do list. So I'm staying on top of the stuff in my life. It's taking care of my finances because when I'm stressed or I don't feel comfortable financially, it indirectly impacts my confidence to a huge degree. And a lot of people don't draw that connection. Um, But it's making sure that I'm doing these things consistently. So I always say one, start with an audit. And I always say like, a great place to start is look in the back of your closet for all those clothes you haven't worn in the last six months and like throw those out. Like, Everyone feels victimized when I say that, but like, girl, get rid of those and then go ahead and figure out what actually makes you confident instead. So for me, like, I hate the feeling of Lululemon leggings when they start to feel like worn out and pilly. So guess what? 
when I start to get that feeling where I'm like, ooh, these don't feel, these don't make me feel confident and sexy anymore, I go and donate those because that makes me feel confident and amazing when I'm helping someone else. And I'll go spend the $78 to go buy myself a new pair because you can't put a money on happiness and confidence. So that is literally like one example, but it's so small, but it makes such a big difference. I love that. That's a definitely like when you were saying that I just thought of like Marie Kondo. Like you basically Marie Kondo your life. You're like, does this bring me joy? No. Bye. Yeah, literally. It's like, does do I like this? No. Okay, I'm gonna get rid of it. But like I'm not perfect at this. And I always say, like, we are not perfect individuals. We are not expected to be perfect. Like we are striving for progress, not perfection. So sure, are there some clothes that I should probably get rid of? Absolutely. But again, if we're like 90% there, we are killing it. So we're just going to get to that 90% and we're going to be happy that we got there in the first place. <laughs> I love that realization. That is so true. So back to when you were still at your corporate job, you were like living the life you were, you know, making all this money, traveling, doing all of that. How did you balance your relationships? Like did your friendships, relationships, family suffer or were they understanding? Like how did you manage to juggle it all? Yeah, so it was very interesting. So when I worked in on the trading floor, my boyfriend lived an hour away because I lived in Toronto. He lived in Hamilton, for those of you who are familiar with Toronto and the GTA. And he was working in, obviously, as a portfolio manager, and I was on the trading floor in Toronto. So me and my boyfriend did long distance. So we lived an hour away from each other. We had our own condos. Add in my two and a half, three weeks a month of traveling, like, we were lucky if we saw each other once or twice a month. So I always say like when you're an ambitious woman, when you are someone who has very high career goals, you need to be with someone who supports you, loves you and understands that and will stay loyal to you, even if you only see each other once or twice a month. So I am so fortunate to have Austin in my life. And it's so funny. He doesn't show up a lot on my Instagram because I respect his privacy. Now that everything's very public in my life, but he literally has been such a integral part of my success. And I say that because every single, you know, mental breakdown or burnout, or, you know, even when I hated my body and I gained weight because I was so burnt out and so exhausted, like he was always there to pick me up and make me feel better. He was always there to love me unconditionally, even if I was on a plane four hours away, or if I was stuck in Toronto at a client event, not responding to him for four hours, but he knew I would text him when I was home safe. So I always say like, if you're an ambitious woman, you need to find yourself in Austin, you need to find yourself someone who understands your ambition, who loves you for it. And he always laughs. He's like, if you want to go make seven figures, he goes, I'll be a stay at home dad. Like you go kill it, Jack. Like he's like literally that supportive. So I definitely think it's important to find that partner for yourself. In terms of how do you find that partner? Yeah, I mean, I've had I've been in a handful of horrible relationships as well. So it does take time. And actually, Austin came um, in my life at a point where I actually not lost faith in men, but I was like going through a really bad breakup and I've been cheated on multiple times. And I just was like, you know what, maybe I just need to be single for a very long time. So I always say like, be open to people who come into your life at very unexpected times. It might not be the perfect time in your mind, but you know, the universe, I always say the universe always brings you exactly who you need at exactly the right time. So a lot of people like the the best example I ever had or a best story was it's the story of the girl who's like in the desert. And she was like, Oh, like, God, send me a sign that I'm going to be okay. And then like a ranger came with a helicopter to save her. And she was like, No, I don't need you. I'm waiting for God. And then like, God was like, you're so stupid. Like, I literally sent you a helicopter and a park ranger. Like, that was me. So I always use that example. Like, you need to be open-minded because you need to be able to understand that it might not be the perfect time for you, but the universe is bringing you what you need. Secondly, this is an exercise that Austin's mom actually taught me, which is funny enough, but she always says, you need to write a list. You need to put your ideal partner down on paper who they are, what they do, what kind of life you live, the support that you want, you know, all these important key factors, like, like, what are the most important things to you? Like loyalty? Do you want obviously like financial security? So she literally says, like, make your dream list of what you're looking for. 
And don't settle until you find someone who checks those boxes. Obviously, in every relationship, there's compromise, but I kid you not, I do this list exercise in every aspect of my life, and there has never been a year where I haven't crossed everything off my list 100%. So it is magical, and I would say if you are in a relationship and you're like, okay, let's do the list exercise, and they're not checking at least like 75% of the boxes, then you need to get real and understand that maybe there is someone better out there who is looking for, or, you know, provides the support that you're looking for. I'm literally going to jump off this call and do that list because girl, I've been single literally. Like I think I should make this my Instagram bio because I think people would relate, but I'm like, I've been officially single for like six years. I've had crappy situationships, but like in between my last official boyfriend was like in 2018. No, actually less 20, sorry, 2013. Girl, so. list. write your list. I'm telling you, it is magical because it get, it helps you understand, like, what do I actually want? Like, there's no worse feeling than going through life and, like, feeling like you're living someone else's relationship or career or dream or whatever it is. So, like, get a piece of paper, get a pen, write your list out, and don't settle for anything less because you deserve that and 10 times more. Oh my god, I, I'm I'm seriously gonna do this. Like you have no idea. I'm gonna jump yes. off this call. I'm gonna do that, and if I don't get it in like the next month, I'm gonna be like, "Yo, what's up?" You're gonna message me like, "Jack, what the heck? My list is not working." <laughs> Matchmaker Jack, what is the problem? Yes. What did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so at that point, you know, was it when you met him that you were changing jobs? Was it, you know? Kind of like what I want to know is how you manage to still be confident, like confident in your singleness or in your life or in I'm going to have everything that I have when you were struggling. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been, I always say like, I've always been an optimist. Like I always do see the good in all scenarios. And I do believe that everything in your life happens for a reason. And even at your deepest, darkest times, like don't think of them like that. Like it's just contrast. Like you need to have contrast to understand what being at your lowest point feels like. So when you are soaring at your highest, you appreciate that with such deep gratitude that the universe will continue to give you more because you have learned from that experience. So for me, I mean, I've always been a busybody. Like I'm such a worker. So I mean, even, you know, during that time before Austin came into my life, like I was in university, like we met when I was in third year university. So we've been together for five and a half years. And it was interesting because I just buried my head in my work, like literally turned all my marks to straight A's, worked on myself, like on the best shape of my life, like literally just turned myself inwards. And I feel like that's so important. Like when you're going through a time of uncertainty or a very dark time in your life, One, you need to lean on your support system. So for me, like that was my family. I spent a lot of time with my family during that time. But two, you need to look inwards at yourself because if you're unhappy, you need to understand that everything in life's a mirror. So if something happened to you, maybe there's something deep inside of you that like you need to heal yourself or fix for yourself. So I took that time as like, no, I'm going to get my mind right, kill my grades, like make sure that I'm setting up my success for whatever's next to come. And when I honestly started working on myself and focusing on myself only, the universe brought me Austin. So I definitely think like if you work on yourself and prioritize your confidence and your happiness and your self-worth, the universe will bring you amazing things. Oh, that's amazing. So now let's move on to actually moving on from corporate life to starting a business. What did people say or think? Like, were they all shocked? Were they like, what the hell are you doing? Or were they all like, oh, this is not unexpected from Jack? Every single person was blown away, like absolutely shocked. No one was expecting this. Honestly, everyone thought that I was going to go back into finance, make my millions as a managing director, be the youngest managing director on the trading floor and like live happily ever after. And honestly, when I started, there was a lot of skepticism. Like I had one old boss that literally was like, oh, when this fails, we'll welcome you back with open arms or yeah, like verbatim to me on a phone call. Um, I had a lot of people who randomly were popping into my LinkedIn, viewing my profile, people who were following me on Instagram that unfollowed me for years. So I had a lot of people who were watching me in the shadows, a lot of people who were waiting for me to fail, I say. And 
I was saying this to my coach because I get, I agree every coach, every person should have a coach. I was saying this to my coach a couple of months ago. I'm like, I feel like I have an army of people I have to prove wrong. I feel like there are so many people in my past corporate and my past finance lives and even old friends who are sitting here being like, oh my God, who does Jacqueline think she is saying that she can launch this own business during a global pandemic, scale it to seven figures, be featured in Forbes 30 under 30? Like who does she think she is? And I literally said, I was like, you know what? I do have an army to prove wrong. And guess what? Now that my business is at a point where I'm going to, you know, probably I'm not probably I'm going to hit half a million dollars this year in my business. It's so funny because those people who kind of doubted me, a few of them are hiring me now, which is so funny to see. So the world always comes full circle. But yes, I had a ton of people who would check in to see how it's going because they were more intrigued, not of my success, but of my failure. So I definitely think like, That fueled me a lot because, I mean, I don't fail at anything. Austin says I fail upward. He goes, everything in your life, like when things didn't work up, you fail upward. Like everything's just like an up level of the next. So I always say like people were watching me to see me fail, but little do they know I only fail upward. So (laughs) (laughs) that's my new favorite phrase. I'm going to literally just write a post and be like, fail upward. (laughs) Yeah, it's the best. How can you be in a bad mood when you're failing upward? You just know that you're just going to continue being so successful because you're failing upward. I absolutely love that. And how did you come up with your idea? Like, how did you translate your corporate skills, your finance skills into a business? Yeah. So when I first launched, I actually interviewed 500 women. So I was like, no, I'm not just going to launch something for the sake of launching it. So I interviewed 500 ambitious women across private equity, finance, small businesses, tech, you name it, entrepreneurship for that matter. Basically said like, as an ambitious woman, where do you find that you're lacking support? And it literally boiled down to five things, which created the JW method of five pillars. Work-life balance, career or business success, self-worth and confidence, health and fitness and feeling good in your own skin, and mental wellness and stress management. I kid you not, every single one of those 500 women said a combination of those five things. So what I love about that is a lot of people just start businesses for the sake of wanting to run their own business, but I was very intentional about it. And I actually worked on this in the background for four months before I even told Austin that I wanted to do this. So I built this foolproof plan out before I brought this to anyone. Cause again, I only feel upwards. So like wanted to make sure that this was going to work, but it was interesting. So when I first started, I actually started more as like a wellness work-life balance centric Um, organization for women. But again, as I started having more conversations, and again, when I started, if anyone who's listening is just starting their business, I took whatever call anyone would take with me to learn about them and what they're struggling with so I could refine my business model. So I took so many calls just to understand the mindset, the struggles, and the pain of the ambitious woman, whether or not she was in corporate or whether or not she was in entrepreneurship. And from that, I continued to refine my offer. Um, I quickly learned that sales is something that a lot of people struggle with, but sales has always come pretty natural to me. Like I say, like sales is in my DNA. Like I literally cannot remove it from me. Um, And same with finances. Like again, like I realized that I'm so fortunate to have the finance background that I had that I could build sales plans and revenue plans and manage all my finances and accounting myself because I know how to do that. But so many women don't know how to do that. And that's okay. So it was really just listening to the women that I was talking to and understanding what they were actually struggling with. Not me sitting behind a computer, developing something that I think they wanted and trying to shove that down their throat instead. So I was super meticulous in how I launched my business and I'm refining it every single day. Like I even realigned for 2021. Um, So I think it's really important just to say like, when you are launching something, you have to remember that you're serving a person. You are serving someone who needs your help. And you are naive to think that you can sit behind a computer and say, I can figure out all the answers to her problem or their problem without actually talking to them first. Yeah, definitely. 
I agree. You have to ask people. You have to get to know them. You have to see what their struggles are and to see if they're even interested, right? I think that's part of your success that you knew already for a fact that they were interested. So when you came out with it, people were like, oh my God, yes, this is exactly what I need. Yeah. And honestly, like like I said, I've refined the method, not the method, the pillars have always stayed the same, but I've refined even my approach and my messaging and how I, I mean, my sales approach has never changed because again, sales is relationship building. And if you think any otherwise, we need to have a conversation, but just in terms of, again, how I'm showing up and serving others, because again, like I say, like, I am here to selflessly serve you. Like I am here to help you become the best version of yourself. Whatever you define that as, like you define your success, you rewrite your story. I can help you gain the clarity and understanding, give you all the tools to help boost your success. But again, I am here to help you find your path and align you on your journey. I think like that is just such a beautiful mindset to take and it relieves a lot of the pressure, honestly, from it all. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned like you've refined everything because I'm a big fan of like your aesthetic and your vibe. So my whole thing is turn your mess into your message, but I would love to know kind of like how you did that, like how you figure that out and how you're like this badass on Instagram and like have like everything kind of like curated, but also seem authentic. Like tell us about that before we ask the last question and we go into the rapid fire round. Yeah. So it's so funny. So I still to this day do all of my content, all my social media management. I do all my engagement. I do all my posts, all my caption writings. Like I do everything a hundred percent me. So how do I stay authentic? I don't outsource that because this is my brand. This is me. This is who I am. And if I decide I want to be sassy on a Wednesday, I can be sassy on a Wednesday and put a sassy post out. If I decide that I want to be more, take more of a feminine, balanced, relaxed approach, I have the call to do that. But same goes for like even engaging. Again, I send voice notes to almost every person who follows me. I try my best to send voice notes because again, I want to know their story. So again, this is not a cookie cutter approach. This is something that I take pride in managing on my own because I fundamentally believe the importance. In terms of like how I got there, like, okay, I always say you're going to laugh. I literally told this to a guy mutual acquaintance the other day and he's like, oh my God, I see you in a whole new light now. So for those of you who know, I love wine. My boyfriend's a wine collector. We're both wine collectors. And I love a good glass of red or white burgundy or champagne. All of my best writing and ideas either come to me when I'm listening to R&B, like literally sensual, like R&B playlists. I'm not kidding. If people listen to what I like listen to when I write my post, people would be like, what is wrong with this girl? Um, So like R&B music and a good glass of wine and like I will build the most fire content I've ever created. Also, my other, you know, my other tip of keeping things super authentic is when you're sitting behind a computer, and you're trying to like, bang out a caption, like, Oh, my God, I need to post today, or else my engagement's going to go down. Like, that is a resistant thought. Honestly, mm-hmm. Sabrina, all of my million dollar ideas and captions and program names have come to me in the shower. I'm not kidding. I call them my million dollar shower ideas. Because when you are in a state of flow, like when I'm dancing to music and whatever I'm doing, my body scrubs, like my sugar scrubs, like all of my ideas have come to me in the shower because I'm not forcing it. I'm literally like letting my brain relax and whatever comes to me in that state, I kid you not, it is how I built my entire business. So I think it's super important to say like one, if you want to build a super cohesive brand messaging and feed and just overall community, you need to put in the work and make sure you're developing that true for yourself first before you engage others to help you refine that or run that. But B, also like don't just be posting things for the sake of posting things. Don't just sit behind a computer and hammer out captions because you feel like you have to be showing up online. Like Do it when it feels authentically and when it feels good for you and your business and you will build a far more engaged community and following because they know that you're intentional, you're manageable, and you're making sure that you are, again, showing up in your best way possible at all times. 
That's the best advice I think anyone could ever give. And I think it'll make people feel like they're off the hook because this whole Instagram culture of you have to post five days a week, two times a day and post quotes and do this is so exhausting. I think people will be like, oh my God, I love you for saying that because yes, I can do this. Girl, I'm telling you, I post twice a week, twice, twice. That is it. And I get on average like 150 to 100 comments like I'm not kidding because again when you like scarcity is a good thing like you want to make yourself like that little bit like out of reach so when you do come in with a fire post people are like yes I'm going to read that because I know her content is always so great and she's not oversaturating the market with information because the industry or the Instagram culture is telling her to do that same with stories. Like some of my clients are like, Jacqueline, you don't really show up that much and like pitch yourself on stories. No, I don't have to. They're like, well, why don't you have to? Everyone else has to. Well, no. Again, if you are able to show up in a super impactful and concise way, you don't need to be singing your own praises 24-7 or posting and forcing yourself to post because, again, you're building that engaged community where they know that when you post, it's with intention. So they are going to listen versus them scrolling through your posts and your stories because, again, you're showing up just for the Instagram culture of showing up. Yeah. Honestly, I think we could talk for hours and you might have to come on and be a regular on the show and we'll have to do like an Ask Jack session or something like that because I swear you and I could be just be able to talk. Like it, we've been at this for almost an hour and I'm like, I don't want to make this much longer, but like I still have so many questions for you and we can still cover so many topics. So I'm debating whether I'm like, do I continue asking her stuff or do I just wait for another time? So girl, whatever you want me on. I will be on. You have my word on that. Oh my God. Amazing. We should even maybe start our own podcast. TV we should. Or join one. I love that. Like ask JNC. That would be a really cool. Oh, cute. I love that. We, we should talk about this, but I'm going to ask you the last question that is my favorite because I get a lot of different answers and it's kind of like the theme of the show. So I'm pretty sure at one point or another, you have felt like you're probably the only one to live a certain situation at a point. Maybe it was a feeling, maybe it was a thought. Could you tell us what that was, A, and B, what would you tell other people that might be going through the same thing? Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind, I love how you didn't tell me this question because literally the first thing that came to mind is obviously the best thing that I need to share. So the biggest thing for me is feeling the need to pretend to be someone you're not. And I feel like this applies very heavily in the online space where comparison is a big thing. But the moment that came to mind and I'm closing my eyes and I can visualize it is again, when I worked on the trading floor. When you work in a male-dominated industry, they tell you you need to dress a certain way, you need to lower your voice a certain way so people respect you, like literally not kidding. You need to show up a certain way, you need to respond a certain way, you need to donate X amount of money to hit your bonus quota, like they will literally tell you the person you need to be. And I remember, I feel my most powerful in a four-inch stiletto and a pencil skirt with a bodysuit. Like, literally, long-sleeve bodysuit, black pencil skirt, just past the knee, and, like, Valentino stilettos is my jam. And I remember I used to not wear that when I was in corporate because I have big boobs in the butt. So, naturally, things look a little bit more mm-hmm. provocative on me than what they would maybe on an average person. And I remember, again, my desk was at the end of that trading floor runway. And I remember vividly when I was like, no, enough's enough. I'm not letting someone else define who I am or what I need to be. And I'm not going to pretend to be someone else. And when I started showing up as that person, everyone literally was like, you're glowing differently. You are killing it. Like, I started having so many conversations just because my energy was so infectious. Literally everyone wanted me either on their team or talking to them or like just having a conversation. So for me, I think it's like when you think of, when I think of that moment, it's understanding that everyone, the industry, 
you know, friends, family, other people will maybe tell you who you need to be or who you should be. But deep down, you know exactly what you need to do to be your most confident, ambitious, and successful self. And you need to mute all those other people. You need to own that part of you because when you do, you will become the most vibrant, radiant, and successful version of yourself that you can be. Yes, I love that. I can picture that as well. Like you just showing up and being like, this is the new me. Whoever doesn't like it can walk out the door. Peace out, bitch. Literally. And like, who put the rule in corporate that you cannot wear a tank top when it's 40 degrees out and you're in literally a hot box of majority of men and you're dying of heat and you have to put your hair in a ponytail. Like, I'm sorry if my bra strap makes you feel uncomfortable. Like, that's on you. That is not on me. So, like, I literally was start wearing tank tops. Like, obviously, more conservative ones, like higher necked ones. But, like, I was like, no. Just because I show my clavicle does not mean that I'm not professional. So, like, take it or leave it. I'm wearing my gold necklace. I'm putting my hair in a ponytail. And I'm wearing that tank top. So, sorry. No. Like, if you're uncomfortable, go get a coffee and come back later. Like, no time for you here. Oh my god. Okay, I just have to mention this before we go into the rapid fire question. Another reason why we hit it off is because you're Canadian and I have always had a thing for like Canadians. Like my best friend is Canadian, my assistant is Canadian. Like literally I'm planning to move there, so that is probably the reason why as well. Yes, Canadians are the best. I agree. I'm a I'm a little biased, a little biased, but yeah, we are the best. Don't worry, I'm biased as well. Like <laughs> I'd move there tomorrow if borders were open, so you're good. Okay. I have thoroughly, seriously enjoyed this conversation. Like really you're coming back or we're doing something because we're not leaving it at this. But before we go, I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions so that we can get to know your personality even more as if this last hour has not been enough to get to know you. (laughs) Okay. Go for it. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. My favorite one. What person dead or alive would you love to have dinner with if you could? Oprah. Ooh, gotta love Oprah. Love her. Okay. If you could describe yourself with one word, what would that be? Confident. Hmm. Would you rather have the ability to fly or be invisible as a superpower? Fly. Okay. Money and COVID aside, where would you go right now if you could? Italy. On a vineyard, drinking copious amount of red wine. Oh my God. Yeah. Under nice weather. But what is your favorite movie? Ooh. You're going to laugh. Despicable me. Oh, I love that one, though. <laughs> so good. The little minions. Like, how can you be in a bad mood when you're watching those adorable little minions? I literally, I literally. Oh, my God. Them. I love the minions. I definitely agree with you on that. Okay. Favorite place in the entire world for you? Tuscany, Italy. Me and my boyfriend have gone there every single year, twice a year, pre-COVID, since we started dating. It, Italy yeah. just brings us so much love, and we go back there twice a year, every year. Oh, would you rather have time or money? Time, duh. Like, why would I want money when I could just live for 200, 300, 500 years and make my millions a million times over? <laughs> I feel like that was a cheating answer because you responded to both, but I'll give you that. No, okay, that time, always time, always time. <sighs> okay, favorite self-care ritual or activity? Mm-hmm. Massage. But 1B is a good body scrub in the shower. I love a good body scrub and like really just like enjoying that like 30 minute long shower. Yes, I definitely agree. Scrubs and massages all the way. Last question. Who inspires you? That's a great, great question. I mean, the the person who comes to mind is like my boyfriend, which is so crazy to say, but like, he does. Yeah. He works so hard and is just such a selfless human being. And he inspires me to be more selfless and to not care as much, quite frankly. So yeah, it's, it has to be my boyfriend. He inspires me to be better every day. You're so cute. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> goals. Couple goals right here. You'll get that too with your list. Don't worry. Okay, I'll, I'm keeping you accountable for that. I'm definitely going to message you if it doesn't happen. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see about that. If it is, and you can coin that as another pillar of yours. Like I also help people achieve relationships through my proven method. <laughs> I'll be yeah. like your testimonial. Yeah, you'll be my, you'll be my like test. You're, you're my test subject. 
Yes, definitely. I will definitely update you and everyone who's listening to this episode as well. I'll keep you posted. But Jack, it has honestly been so fun to have you on here. Literally, this is not the last time you're coming on. Like, I don't know if this is like a warning sign or whatever it is, but I would always love to have you here whenever you want to come on. Thank you so much for sharing your story, giving these amazing tips, telling people, you know, like what it is that you do, how you started and all of that. I think it's going to be an amazing lesson for a lot of people out there. And you'll find all of the links to follow Jack in the description to join her. I think you have the champagne collective right now, right? I do. Yeah. The early bird is opening next week. I'm also launching a sales confidence accelerator in May. But yeah, just honestly, the best way to follow me is just through Instagram. And you better believe I'll be voice noting every one of you, personally myself. So yeah, I would just love to see you guys and connect. Yes, that is true. I think you actually did send me a voice note when I messaged you. So can't remember, but definitely we messaged. So anyone who wants to reach out, go ahead. She's super friendly. Literally, like the way I think she's speaking right now is the way we interacted. So feel free to do that. You'll find all the links in the description. If you like the episode and you want to learn more, go to at Pretty Sure Podcast on Instagram so you can listen to my live videos. Every week I do an interview as well, post funny captions. I need to be better at that, but I'm keeping myself accountable on here. So thanks again, Jack, for coming on. And I will speak to everyone next week. Peace out. Go, go, go.